Hello and you're very welcome to this week's Talk A Good Game, the sports podcast from the Me Chronicle. I'm Fergal Lynch and as usual I'm joined in studio by Jimmy Gagan. Hello Jimmy. Fergal, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Good, good Fergal, yes, yes. We, we, it's been quite a weekend of action uh, on the Hurland front. I think Mead had a very significant victory, didn't they? You were at that game Fergal. Jumping straight in, Jimmy, no banter yeah. this week. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Jimmy's a, Jim, Jimmy's a, a, a three-day-a-week sports reporter and a two-day-a-week news reporter, and he's under pressure today. Now he's get back. It's it's well, election week, Jimmy. We're, we're, it's yeah, we're week. going to press today, Fergal. So yeah, go to press, and it's election week. I noticed before you came down to record this podcast, there's uh, pages and pages there to be proofread and and checked. You have to get all these um, politicians' information right. Yeah, are you, you're going to vote yourself, Fergal? If you I can't vote ready? myself for myself. If I could, I would. <laughs> but uh, yeah, oh, of course, yeah, yeah. It's a democratic right, and mm. it's something that everybody should do and exercise the right to vote. And in the old, uh, whatever, people and men, women and children have died for our right to have a vote. So Friday is vote day. So of course, we'll urge people to get out and vote. But Jimmy, you were jumping straight in there. Yeah, no, no bit of banter, as I said at the start. <laughs> or singing songs. <laughs> or singing songs. I, I want to try to avoid you going into uh, another rendition of, uh, you know, some, some yeah. of those Liverpool songs ah, we'll that you, you love so much. I think we might get well, Although I like the what you walk, never walk alone because that's a Celtic song as well. Yeah, Ferguson, so. yeah. I thought it was very smart yesterday when I saw the uh, Man City were having their trophy presentation or meeting everybody and, um, yesterday in Manchester and all the traffic signs throughout the city were uh, they were kind of half taken to piss out of Liverpool they had their signs up warning people you know park your car use the park and ride you'll never walk alone once you use our park and ride system to okay. get to the Man City celebration so they were taking a bit of piss out of Liverpool yeah well that, that was pretty harmless stuff but that, that uh, stuff last week you know we saw about the players singing you know yeah disgusting uh, really yeah I know people would say ah uh, it's you know. been all taken out of context, but whatever about supporters who some supporters can be gormless and dopey and, and come up with stupid things like that for players to sing about Liverpool fans when battered in the streets. And, you know, it was just very uh, diminished, well, it diminished, showed a lack of class, I think. Certainly did. Uh, insensitive at the very, very, very least. Yeah. Uh, not really what we want to hear from players who are role models in a way for a lot of young people and uh, that's it's not what we want to hear and yeah, um, well, that's I, I just wonder what, if there'll be any sanctions on it let's talk about sanctions but we'll have to wait and I, see I don't think there will be any sanctions on that but you know as you say they're, they're meant to be role models so you know how can they expect the fans to behave themselves in the stands if that's the way they're going to be behaving but then some will say their celebrations were meant to be behind closed doors and and uh, is there was, anything behind closed doors back. these no, days I don't think so yeah. I don't think so but um yeah, and, and, you know, they're under pressure. They've in, been investigated on, under the financial fair play rules. And uh, I've seen ye- a, a video yesterday where they dropped the Premier League trophy. Someone was suggesting that their hands were greasy with all the oil money that they were hosting. Right, that they were. OK. So, right. uh, but they dropped and smashed the Premier League trophy. You wouldn't. It's unusual to see teams break the trophies that they get presented with, which is uh, probably a nice segue to lead us into Mead's Christy Ring <laughs> Cup campaign, which... Uh, for those that wouldn't understand the segue, a couple of years ago when Mead won the Christie Ring Cup, there was a bit of damage done to the cup. The handle fell off, and but it all got repaired and sent back anyway. And, yeah, uh, it wasn't it, the it, only cup that was damaged over the years. No, Fergal. certainly There not. was a lot, a lot of uh, um, venerable trophies yeah. sent rolling down the streets and so on, and well, kicked, the kicked ri- around the place and battered and bruised. The Ring Cup is back to its perfect glory, and it's uh, pristine there and waiting to be presented 
And at this stage, Jimmy, it looks as if Mead have to be red, red hot favourites to win that Christie Ring Cup. Another superb performance, uh, beating Kildare 227 to 113 in Newbridge on Saturday. Um, I know talking to Nick Fitzgerald after the game, and he had said that that uh, the London team that Mead had faced the week before was probably the worst London team he had ever seen, and that the Kildare team they had played on Saturday was definitely the worst Kildare team that he had ever seen. Uh, you'll hear that in the quotes. I have an interview with Nick after Saturday's win. You'll hear that later on, but there's no taking away from it. Going down to Newbridge against the Kildare team, who are the Christie Ring Cup defending champions, I know they were coming off the back of a, a beating by Roscommon, so their pride was hurt, and they needed to win that game to stay in touch. But Mead were very, very impressive, Jimmy. Well, in so many t- occasions in recent years, Fergal, we've seen how Mead teams have, their ambitions have been sc- scuppered by Kildare teams time and again. And so this is a yeah, very impressive victory. But we spoke about in the after the London game and how Mead, their conditioning in that match was was very, very good. They, they were very fit. Uh, also, the, their, their, the way they varied their tactics the cross field ball. I thought, you know, the sign of a team well coached this year. Conditioning uh, has been excellent. And okay, Nick would have probably have preferred, as he would have against London, to have a, had a, a harder game just to test his players a bit more. But as he said himself, all you can do is is beat what puts in front of you. Um, Kildare, they might be weak this year, but um, still to, to get two twenty seven. For any team to wrap up, rack up two twenty-seven, nine players. I think it was about nine players got on the scoring uh, yeah. sheet. You know that's a that's a uh, very impressive um, two fifteen of scores. Well. Two fifteen from play. We you know um, obviously you know Jack Regan um, a tour de force performance from him. Sixteen points. You know, uh, you know he he's a, he's a, one of the best players in Mead for many years. He's a top class uh, talent, and uh, that's shown again. Now he, he can, you know, obviously a lot of those are from freeze. Yeah, well, he had sixteen points. The so twelve of them were from freeze. But even with his four points from play for a wing forward, four points from play is a great return, and it made him the the next, you know, the the second highest scorer from play. Eamon O'Donoghue got two goals, which made him the highest scorer from play. But Jack Regan, as well as being top scorer overall, he was also and and, and scoring twelve points from freeze. He was also the second highest scorer from play as well. And Nick referenced that as well, that his movement off the ball, his positional sense, um, he knows where to be and he knows how to create a little bit of space for himself. And he scored one point, a real wonder score, just over, threw it up and fired it over his left shoulder from out on the left-hand side. And it was a superb point, just just to as if to turn around and show the fans, you know what, I'm not just an expert from place balls here. I'm well able to take take my scores but it was a brilliant performance from Mead and very emphatic very uh, confident very decisive uh, composed when they had to be there was a couple of times uh, when it looked as if Kildare might try and half mount a a bit of a comeback but Mead were giving away a couple of frees and uh, Brian Byrne their centre forward was was, you know equally as adept at taking the frees as Jack was he scored 8 points for Kildare Um, so Kildare were a threat from that point of view, but once once the goals went in, and once again, Eamon O'Donoghue, you, you spoke about him the last day as well. He's a serious young talent. Serious young talent. He he got a goal the last day, created involved in creation of many other scores for Mead in that win over London. 
he's a serious you know confidence is a great thing as well Fergal uh, he's playing with confidence and uh, this t- the me team you know as we, we spoke how important it is for a team once they start once they start losing it's very difficult to stop that you yeah. know it can undermine the confidence uh, undermine everything that they're doing but um, once they start winning too uh, it has a great effect on them so you spoke. You, me- you mentioned the last day about you know, or oh, the goal he scored against London was quite a simple goal. But we had, we also remarked that he manages to get himself into these positions. Like the two goals he scored on Saturday were very simple goals. And again, you would have scored them yourself, Jimmy. I know you had trials for the yeah. Mead Miners. <laughs> football, in, in, football, in, football, oh, football in yeah, nineteen forty nine, yeah. and you probably could have made that All Ireland winning team back then. But the uh, the. I think it was around 80. 1849, was it? Okay, well, but, but Eamon O'Donoghue's position or ability to get himself into positions to score these goals was were unreal. His first goal, big long ball in, he stuck the hurl up and he controlled it and then knocked it into his path all into one movement. As the keeper advanced then, he took a shot and he buried the shot into the ground. And as the keeper kind of spread himself to make himself big, Eamon's shot bounced off the ground and up over him. And into the net. It was just for someone so young to have that array of skills in his bag and be able to pull them out like that. What was and that that was at a time when the game was still in the melting pot. You know, the first mm. goal w- was early enough and it was tight. Uh, it made it. Oh, I think it made it one four to three points maybe that goal. But um, you know, the game was still in the melting pot. So to produce such outrageous skill at that stage of the game for someone so young, it augurs well for his future. It certainly does. Well, what it does, of course, as well, is it sets Mead up very well. You know, those kind of performances. Well, that's uh, it. They're in the semi-final now. In the semi-final already, yeah. Yeah, so. with a game, a game to spare. Themselves and Roscommon are both through to the semi-final. Roscommon beat London uh, earlier in the day on Saturday. So uh, Roscommon are also through to the semi-final. And they'll... Uh, the two teams will meet in that league on Saturday the 1st of June, we believe. Um, the two teams are going to clash in really just to determine who tops the group and who finishes second. The, the other division then is wide open as to who will who will get out at Derry, uh, Down and Wicklow are all still in contention. Looks as if Derry will probably top the group. So whoever wins, whoever finishes second in Mead's group will end up probably playing Derry in a semi-final uh, with Down or Wicklow then, the other two sides. But uh, Mead have... Mead have Definitely got the potential there, and I know when Conal Collier was doing his his pre Christie Ring Cup um, campaign preview and his interviews with the manager and all that, he kind of put it to Nick Fitzgerald at the time that you know you have to be winning this Christie Ring Cup. Meter coming down from the Joe McDonough, mm. having won the Christie Ring Cup in two thousand sixteen. Meter coming down with the Joe McDonough, they're the class act in the competition, so they put themselves in on a pedestal that to be favourites for this Christie Ring Cup, but they really should be winning it. And with the quality of players that they have, I don't see any reason why why they shouldn't. Well we talk about expectation on the on the footballers. Uh, there is that expectation on the hurlers, but the hurlers seem to be uh, thriving and blossoming um, under that expectation, Fergal. So you know it's it's certainly um you would expect them to win as well against Roscommon, uh, not only in the, the that game in that league, but in the semi final. Like they would, you would expect them to win that game and um, uh, book their place in the final. But yeah, it, well, <laughs> yeah. If they do, if they do beat Roscommon and top the table, you would expect them to beat either Down or Wicklow in a in a semi final. So they would have a good chance. But probably disappointing news coming out from that game was that 
Paul Johanrahan looked to have broken his arm or fractured his arm in an accidental collision with his own teammate Alan Douglas um, midway through the first half. It was a bit oh, just the two players going for the one ball and neither of them called and, and they just collided into each other and Paul Johanrahan is a lovely wristy hurler, very skillful and uh, he'll be a huge blow when you think that Meter already without Sean Quigley who is a Dunboyne hurler, fine player as well. They're already without him. Still no sign of James Toher, although he was on the bench, but not named mm. as a sub for Saturday. James Toher is coming back from injury as well. So if Mead were to have a full complement, it would be hard to see them stopped. Yes, yeah, you'd love to see uh, those players back. You know, uh, for example, what Toher brings to the cause uh, is immense, you know, and uh, you, you would certainly expect that Mead will win... win um, if they have those players back, even without those players, it's a, a it's an indication, I guess, of the the strength and depth in the county as well in Harlan Fergal because, uh, you know, uh, to have those players injured and to, and still be able to secure a place in the semi final of the Ring Cup in such a, an impressive fashion, um, certainly augurs well. As as I say, Nicky probably would would have. Uh, liked in one respect uh, a more competitive game yeah yeah. there's nothing like competitive games to, to bring out uh, the uh, players uh, innate ability to really push players to the limit uh, and, and that's what every manager wants as well but I also what every manager wants is a very competitive environment where there's places and, and that's what Nick has, well, I think has that's worked towards in recent in, since he's taken charge he has mentioned that and we'll have a listen now to the interview he mentions that in the interview I did with him after the game that you know it's not even about taking each game individually he's, he's looked at this run in the Christie Ring five games has been 10 tests and he looks at it at, at 35 minutes games and they play for the first half to go in prepare play for the second half and that's the way he's looking at doing it so we just have a listen to what Nick Fitzgerald the Mead Hurling manager had to say after Saturday's win over Kildare in Newbridge Nick I'm sure coming down on the bus uh, to Newbridge where Mead have never really had it easy against Kildare you would have taken a one point win never mind a double scores 227 to 113 yeah, um, someone actually said to me on the bus coming down, you know, that it would be nice to win by five or six points comfortably. And I, and I actually said what you just said to me, that one point I settle for it because a one point win or a 13 point win doesn't change the, the leaderboard, you know. Yeah, Do you were, uh, you'd have to be pleased with the application of the players and, and uh, when they had the foot on the throat, they kept it there and they didn't relent at all. And good to be able to bring in a couple of debutants as well. Yeah, um, I wouldn't quite agree fully with you that the foot on the throat and we kept it there. That from the 24th minute out to half time, we certainly didn't. And uh, we conceded 1 2 or 1 3 maybe. Now, granted, they only scored a goal and a point from play, I think, in the first half. Um, and our discipline, what I felt, wasn't that bad. But um, no, I look to, to walk away from here with a 226 to 113 win. I've just said to, to, to the boys there, you know, I've never seen it in my time. Um, but that said, you know, um, no disrespect to the two teams that we've beaten, but they're probably the poorest London team that I've seen and, and definitely the poorest Kildare team that I've seen. So we won't be getting carried away. We'll be getting the heads down again on Monday night and we'll be getting back at it. When you say then that the discipline wasn't too bad, were you concerned with some of the frees that were given away in the first half? It did allow Kildare just stay in the game with 210 to 1-7 at half time. Yeah, I, I felt that, that uh, some of the frees that we were punished for were very very harsh, and that's that's what I mean by I, I felt I felt our discipline wasn't too bad. Now that look, that's something that we're working on because, you know, we're no different to the rest of the counties. Everybody has a good free taker, you know, and you can't be giving away 
those type of frees from sort of 80 yards out, you know. But um, discipline is something that we're constantly harping on about and harping on about. We're trying to we're trying to get a better game by game, you know. You talk about everybody as a good free taker, so I know not all Jack Regan scores were from from, from frees, but he had 12 against London. He had 16 today, 16 points today. It shows the value of a good free taker there. What's what's his return from from play today? Uh, I he had five from play. Five from play again. You know, look, that's that's uh, you know for a number ten or a, a number twelve uh, to be returning five, you know, from play. That's that's a big score. And then like his free taking is just impeccable. You know, probably missed one or two today as well. But you know, if you're getting twelve from fourteen, I suppose you can't really complain, can you? So outside of Eamon O'Donoghue, he was actually uh, the top scorer from play as well, has been top scorer overall from freeze. Yeah, but, but you know, like, like you watch Jack and I've watched him for many years and, uh, you know, he's a very clever player, you know. Like Jack moves around into these little pockets and, you know, Jack, Jack at wing forward or at centre forward, James Kelly at wing back, there's a bit of a bit of telepathy there, you know. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, you tend to find that a number of the scores will come from James Kelly. You know, because they're just reading. You know, they just have that uh, that understanding. You know, and you talk about telepathy, or, or sorry, the ability to be able to get into good spaces. And for someone so young as Eamon Odonica, his positional awareness and his ability to find himself at the end of brilliant moves, his goals today were exceptional again. Fabulous. You know, I've been seeing this in Eamon in training since since I came into this job twelve months ago. And you know, last year in games we didn't see it. We saw it every week in training. And sort of you're waiting and waiting for it to happen. It's happened two days in a row now and, you know, Eamon's going to be marked tighter probably the next day. But look, we'll keep putting him in there. We keep getting the right ball in and, you know, he's, his pace is light and you know, he's devastating pace, you know. How do you approach the Common game now, both year through? <coughs> is it vital to finish top of the group? Absolutely. Whatever, um, whatever advantage comes from finishing top of the group, I'm not sure because uh, the other group seems to be uh, seems to be throwing up a couple of uh, couple of funny results. But um, you know, for us, it's um, we set out at the start of the competition. We're we're working on a ten game strategy, which is ten halves to play, and each 35 minutes is just is just an, it's just another part of that ten that ten game strategy and. Uh, you know, we'll treat the Roscommon game the same as we treated today, the same as we treated London. And, uh, you know, who knows that by the end of the Roscommon game, maybe we'll be out to 28 or 29 players used. And uh, and then the best horse will jump the ditch going into a semi-final, you know. Well, it's good to see as well that the, player, the expectations of the players, that they're not just, they don't seem, I know they're happy walking in off the field there with a victory like that, but they're not satisfied with just that either. There's no hoping or hollering or no, no. O- nobody getting over carried away yet. No, these players know that uh, that that there's a Christie ring there, that they're capable of winning. They've done it in the past, done it, done it probably the difficult way in terms of a replay and all the excitement. You know, to me, uh, these guys are capable of winning this championship, provided the application is right for the next four or five weeks. Brilliant, Nick. Thanks a million. That was Nick Fitzgerald. He was uh, obviously delighted with the victory over Kildare, but. Um, he knows that the possibility of winning the Christie Ring Cup is there and he's put that challenge to the players now to go out and win it. There was also a, a great day on Saturday for the minor hurlers who got their Leinster minor campaign off to a dreadful start with defeat to Carlo below and Carlo and a very poor performance. But they've bounced back since, uh, hammered down in round two and then got into the Leinster Championship proper on Saturday. They took on Antrim in Clane and emerged with a 3-17 to 2-12 victory. Now, I suppose uh, eight points is that what that is three seventeen to twelve eight points a bit harsh on uh, 
on Antrim because the Meads' third goal did come very late into the game. They actually scored 1-2 or 1-3 very late in the game, Mead. Uh, it was close up until that final flourish um, from Mead, but an impressive performance and played some lovely hurling. Uh, they had James Murray back, who was a, a huge help to them. James had been injured against Carlo, started but had to be taken off and then didn't feature against Down. But having him back in the team was a huge boost, of course, James is the son of a, a former Mead legend. Uh, or are you a former legend or are you always a legend? I think you're always a legend. Mm-hmm. So he's a son of Declan Murray's from Trim. So, uh, you know, it's not off the ground. He licked his outstanding hurling. A fine player as his father was. Um, but Certainly, it, well, yeah. Yeah, so a, a good performance from Mead. Uh, the Mead minor hurlers. Yeah, I think, you know, it, it's it's an indication. Is this an indication, do you think, of... of um, uh, a, an overall general improvement I mean to, to beat Antrim like is it's no small achievement you know, Antrim only had two subs on the sideline so I wonder just how strong Antrim were I know they'd taken a bit of a licking the previous week as well but you know as Nick Fitzgerald has said you can only beat what's put in front of you and Mead, yeah. were, Mead were impressive in doing it definitely I think the standard of hurling in Mead is rising and I was talking to uh, John Martin during the game and, and Brian Kelly as well and they were saying that it's only going to get better, that you see the, the level of skills coming with the under-12s and under-14s now is yeah, even so better I, again. A lot of development work going on, you know, with people like Peter Dornan and so on at under you know, those development yeah. teams. Uh, but then you look at you look at Carlo, Fergal, you know, I mean, we should be, you would think, as uh, up at the same level as Carlo. Yeah. They played Kilkenny, okay, they were beating Kilkenny, but they were, I mean, they weren't. And they drew they with Galway in the league. And yeah, they, I mean, they weren't... Uh, Whitewash, shall we say, against Kilkenny? They were, yeah. you know, um, so we, you, I, I mean, I, do, I do remember the time when we played Car. We used to play Carlo regularly and Dublin regularly. The Dublin have gone over, obviously, to another stratosphere well, at the moment. Probably, but Carlo, we should be matching them. Carlo are probably looking at themselves now as being a hurling county, and a lot of their resources are going into their hurling uh, as opposed to their football. And, well, and you can see it. You can obviously see the the rewards that it's reaping getting that extra development that extra money that's going into their setup and, well, and you can see the boost and, and Mount Leinster Rangers of course are one of the strongest clubs in the province um, or one of the strongest clubs in the country uh, so to have them as their as their base club in the county as well it just goes to prove that the Carlo are probably the target that Mead should be getting to but well, I, I wouldn't agree with you say uh, when you say Fergal there all the 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 main uh, resource are going into uh, hurling because I think you see how the football have done in recent years. You know, they've, they've, they've uh, notched up some decent results in, yeah, in well, championships. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get to the footballers later on. They have yeah, had a couple of have... decent results, but at the end of the day, they're still a Division 4 National Football League team, whereas their hurlers are a Division 1B hurling county, you know. So there's a, a huge gap in in where their respective hurling, senior hurling team and senior football teams are at the minute. Senior footballers are in the lowest rank that they could possibly in. The senior hurlers are in second from top. So. Yeah, but in, in, when it comes to the summer, the, champ, the, the footballers have done um, pretty well now in recent years. They have, but not as good as the hurlers. Not as well, not, maybe not as good. but <laughs> They've um, done well, but they've yeah. still lost games. Okay, the beat kill there. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get to 2017, Carlo. 2017, the beat Wexford. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. We'll, get, we'll get to Carlo later on. Just, to, just to, those Mead minors as well, just the hurlers. And Conor McGovern scored 1-5 after scoring 18 points in the, in the win against Down. Uh, he came out and scored one five, was very good. And Cahill McKeown got two goals for the for the minor hurlers as well. But James Murray, as I said, was the outstanding act. He scored six points, 
wore number 15 on his back but came out and uh, played operated as a third midfielder it was a real steady and influence there when Antrim did threaten to get on top so Mead Minor Hurlers now go on and play Kildare on Saturday evening at 7.30 in Newbridge. Very unusual, that, game isn't it? was originally fixed for Friday evening at a Kildare venue, but such is the way the GEA have changed it. So seemingly both counties requested a change. So it's unusual that Mead are going to play Kildare in a Leinster Minor Hurling Championship in Newbridge while the senior footballers are playing in, in Port Leash at 5 o'clock. Okay, they'll say, oh, look, it's only on your way home. It's only 30 minutes probably from Port Leash to Newbridge. You, you should probably be able to make it... Uh, Mead footballers playing at five o'clock, probably over by half six. There's no reason why Mead supporters on the way back from Port Leash couldn't nip into Newbridge there and, and well, get, you, you get t- a good fifty minutes or or most of the minor hurlers anyway. But uh, they're out in action again against Kildare, as we said on Saturday evening at half seven in Newbridge. A win over Kildare in that one would put Mead into the Leinster Minor Hurling Championship semi-finals, which would be a huge step forward if they get beaten, if they lose. They're into the All-Ireland Minor Hurling B Championship, which is for the Padder Lahan Cup, of course, the Great Boards Millman. Uh, so there's still plenty of hurling left for this young minor team, and it's something for them to look forward to. Plenty of hurling, that's what they, and that's what they, they want, of course. You know, they want, and that's what and they need, um, yeah. And to be as competitive as possible, they need to be playing the best teams and you know, hopefully they can adv- advance. You know, but with young players like Conor McGovern, they won five. He got there, and uh, you know, and Cahill uh, McKeown and these players. You know, yeah, James Murray, good lads, yeah. James and Gary Fleming, a full back, was outstanding as well. And uh, two Kilmessen kids in, in middle. I don't call them kids; they probably be given out, but they are only kids. Like it's an under seventeen grade, so a lot of these guys are sixteen, seventeen. They still have to fully develop yet. And when you see the abilities of Cahill Smith and Luke Horan and. Jack Lanigan then at centre forward was excellent. You know, they were just very, very good team and good to see the improvement that they made from that Carlo performance. But the minor footballers were also in action last week, Jimmy. I know it was last Wednesday, so uh, and, and they coasted to a 6-13 to 7 points victory over Wexford. Uh, we're not going to linger too long on this. Though. Three goals in a minute made all the difference really for Mead in this game and sets them up. Uh, for a quarterfinal now against Westmead, I believe, which is also going to be uh, that weekend of the 1st of June. So it's going to be a busy weekend that weekend. But yeah, it, it was a game that both Mead and Wexford needed to win that minor game, um, minor footballers. They both needed to win it. Um, Mead, oh, but, but Mead were, were too strong and, and they'd goals from David Bell, Owen Frayne, Niall Finnerty, Shane Smith, Evan Corrigan. Bar- Barry, Barry Thompson. Thompson, yeah. So, a decent performance from the minor footballers. You've seen them once or twice already this year. Yeah, yeah, I saw them in the in the the, the previous game, uh, and the, the certainly uh, now there was there was a lot of discontent, shall we say, among the, the supporters in, in in the way Mead passing the ball around again, you know, from player to player rather than being a bit more direct. I was not this game now last uh, against Wexford, but. They seem to have been a bit more direct anyway. Yeah, I think uh, Conor I mean, The scoreline would certainly suggest that. Didn't Conor O'Donoghue suggest after that game against Offaly that, you know, you can't just... You would have played into Offaly's hands if you just pumped yes, in long balls. Yeah. So which was, was a fair point. Yeah, which, yeah. you know, obviously Wexford didn't set up like that. So Mead were able to adapt their play and, and take them on and score in 6-13, even if three of the goals did come in a minute. You still have to 
create those chances and take them, which is a real sign of a clinical team. Yeah, well, he was. That's what he was talking about. I did ask him about whether is there, there is a system of playing, you know, all the way through the ranks in Mead, and uh, he said basically, no, you have to to sort of meet different situations um, as they arise, and. You know, he was he was pointing to, obviously to that match against Offaly because of the fact that they had parked a bus, but um, as you say, Wexford didn't park the bus and they paid a price, I suppose. But it, that's a very good scoreline for me. Nine scores in that game for me. Nine you know, scores in that one too. Wasn't nine it? Yeah, scores yeah. there, and uh, you know, as you say, a hat full of goals. Uh, it, it's it's looking good now. Okay, I know that they started off. Uh, against Dublin they didn't play that, a lot of mistakes there was a lot of mistakes in that game so a lot of unforced errors and so on but I mean if a team is learning Fergal if they're going through a championship and they're learning and the young coach he's a young man as well and if he's learning as well well then we're, we are going in the right direction Absolutely absolutely. it was great to see it and I'm sure their their aim or their wish at this stage is to get another crack at Dublin who beat them by 4-10 to 2-10 in the first round middle feel as if they left that one behind them and conceded a couple of goals that let Dublin run away with that in the finish. So they'll be eager to get over Westmead and, and hopefully get another crack at Dublin in this Absolutely. Leinster Championship. Uh, yeah, and, and you know, in recent years, Mead teams have beaten Dublin. Uh, and that's that's a great thing for these players because they're not going into sort of uh, moving up through their careers, not knowing what it's like to be to beat Dublin. And Dublin are the yardstick. Let's, let's be honest, they're still, they're still the yardstick. So um, we'll have to... Um, Okay, well, we'll just say we're going to move on. Yeah, so a good weekend for me teams and minor hurlers, minor footballers and the senior hurlers win. And we'll just move on and just have a quick look at the uh, A-Leagues. It's a very busy couple of weeks for the clubs in the county. Um, I know a lot of complaints about the fixtures. There's four, five, six games for a lot of players are going to have to play in a very short period of time between A-League, B-Leagues and, and A-Hurling League games as well. So games are coming thick and fast for lads and... At this stage, it's only what today is only the twenty first of May, is it, or the twentieth of May, twenty first of May, and uh, we've already nine rounds of the A leagues played, uh, which is you know only four games left in the top divisions. So we're we're getting to uh, squeaky bum time, as Alex Ferguson liked to call it, for teams that have aspirations of promotion or avoiding relegation. So we just have a quick look, run down through a couple of the divisions there. When you you look at Division One, it looks as if Navin and are running away with that. They had a huge win at the weekend. Uh, scored six goals in the first half to beat um, Wolf Tones. So I think they, be, they beat Wolf Tones 6-13 to 1-9. Six goals, as I said, in the first half. They led by 6-9 to 1-2 at the interval. So Navin and are running away at the top of Division 1. Well, when I say they're running away, they're, no, a, they're, point, they're, they're a point clear. <laughs> they're a point clear of... Okay. Uh, they're, they're, Note they're, to self, look at the table before <laughs> making statements like that. Point but, clear of, after all rivals, Simon Sound Gales, yeah, yes. with Summer Hill behind. Uh, 14. And, and I think all, a lot of these top teams have to play each other. I know Matneys and Simonstown have already played each other, uh, but I think Simonstown are playing Summerhill, who are third in the table at the minute. So Matneys are top after nine games with eight wins and only one defeat, 16 points. Simonstown, nine games, seven wins, one draw, one defeat, and 15 points. And Summerhill with seven wins from their nine games and two defeats on 14 points. Gail, Colin, Cale and Ratoth are still in there with a chance. Of course, the way A-League Division 1 works is that the top team goes straight into the final and the second and third team will play in a semi-final to see who plays uh, the table toppers in the final. So Summerhill had a good win as well. Um, won 23 to 13 points. Liam Shaw came off the bench 
after a couple of minutes there and kicked eight points for Summerhill in that game. But Sidden and Manalvi look doomed really in that division. They look they look the teams most likely to uh, to make the drop. They, neither of them have a win from their nine games, and, one draw each. And um, one team down there near the bottom is Screen, which is surprising, which which um brings me to the conclusion that maybe the league doesn't reflect this championship as what it's all about for a lot of these. So, you know, the uh, does the league result reflect the championship? Do you think? Well, Fergal, you or, know, screen, screen will probably look at it and say that they ran away with the league last year. They won the league last year. Were very impressive, and then they didn't perform in the championship. To, in the latter stages of the championship, we'd say uh, they're going well in the championship this year. Not so well in the league, and maybe their focus is just a little bit different. I know they've been hit with injuries. They've a couple of players in on the mead panel as well. Um, so, okay, their focus isn't on the league, but. I think they'll be safe enough. I think they've enough there to oh, get away from that relegation. Oh, they'll be safe enough, absolutely, yeah. But um, uh, you, you'd wonder there about uh, Dunboyne the, there, mid-table at nine points. Like, you know, how much are they being serious about the... Yeah, I, know, well, I know they have a few players in the meet panel, which obviously is a factor for them yeah, and for well, everybody they have, else. They have, they have a few players there as well. When you think of Seamus Lavin, Gavin McCoy, Shane McEntee, you take you take those lads and Don, Don Linehan is away. You take lads like that out of... Uh, out of a championship winning team and it's it's almost a third of your team um, or it's almost a quarter of the team I suppose it's more than a quarter of the team when you think of four big name players like that gone out of a championship winning team it's hard for them mm. to build up the hunger then to get back into the league and then when you're without those players it can be difficult but at this stage uh, I think it's fair to assume that O'Mahony, Simonstown, Summerhill Gail, Colin, Cale and Ratoth are all still in contention for honours there um, and it looks between Manalvi and Sidden are both going to make the drop of course, there is a possibility of a third team making the drop as well because the third place team in Division 2, as far as I'm aware, plays the third from bottom team in Division 1 in a promotion relegation playoff. So there is still plenty to play for in those mm. leagues. And when you look at Division 2, um, you see Sanchestown are, are, I nearly said run away with it again, but a quick glance shows that they're also on 15 points. With uh, Balnebracchi and Carnaross just behind them on 13 points and Dunderry on 11. So with four games still to go there, Sanchestown look good for, for promotion, I suppose. Um, but Balnebracchi and Carnaross will both hope to, to sneak in there. And there is a possibility that both of them could get up. But they, uh, it looks as if Sanchestown will be too strong and will be joined by Balnebracchi or Carnaross with Dunderry having an outside chance maybe of making third place. Yeah, when I looked at I look at uh, down to the bottom and I see St Michael's down at the bottom and it just shows the kind of uh, troubles uh, a, cl- a club the kind of storm a club can uh, move into unexpectedly because St Michael's were in the intermediate final there only a couple of years, years ago, ago yeah, and yeah. were looking like very much like a team that were well they obviously were going in the right direction in one sense but uh, it has and uh, have a tough game Wednesday night then against St Colin Kills as well in, yeah, in round 10 of course, yeah, round, round 10 of these leagues is on Wednesday night so tomorrow night you've got another another round of fixtures we'll be down to just three games left so I think the aim is to try and have these leagues finished by mid-June and uh It'll leave people with no football, really. Yeah, yeah, but why, why, why is the rush? <laughs> Who knows, Jimmy? Who knows? But I Who mean, uh, yeah, because I mean, there's no championship now till August, so yeah, yeah, uh, it's it's strange. It uh, is strange. Certainly I, I know is. there's the, the Fesh Cup games and so on, and but even Cornia that's Bonia even that's over for, for half yeah, the teams. Yeah, already, a lot of them are gone out of that. So been beaten in them. But uh, you look at Division Three, probably the not the surprise packet, but the most impressive team in all the leagues and in all of football in Mead since uh, the turn of the year has. Been 
in Castletown. They've eight wins from eight games in Division 3. Uh, they're unbeaten in the Intermediate Championship as well. And as far as I'm aware, they also won their Curran Nabonia game. They did. They beat Sidden in the Curran Nabonia as well. So they've been flying it really um, in, in football this year. So they look, they're 16 points. Uh, Bannanlocker on 13, St. Vincent's on 10. So it looks between... Uh, Castletown and Banlock will be contesting the Division 3 final. Uh, St. Vincent's, Drumbarra, St. Ultons will all be looking to maybe get into uh, into that third place spot to to try and push then and play maybe the team that's third from bottom in Division 2. Uh, Longwood, amazingly, are in the relegation danger in Division 3. Like yeah. For a senior club, there is a possibility that you could end up with the way things are shaping up, and I know I've heard other other people talking about this, that if Karen Ross were to get promoted from Division 2, that you would have a junior team in Division 1 of the league and a senior team in Division 4 of the league if, if Longwood were to get relegated. Most unusual situation. It's, a, it's an unbelievable. Know, it's, so it's a, but there are, uh, there's, only, there's only three points separating the bottom six in Division 3. Walterstown are on seven points, Beliver on seven, Minolte on six, Dunsany on four, but have a game in hand. Blackhall Gales on four, Longwood on four, and Kilmainham on four. So, you know, you have any any one of six, seven teams there are still in the position to go down. Uh, while in Division 4, Myla looked to be in the box seat for promotion uh, with 12 points from seven games. Clannagale have 10, uh, as have Kilbride and Kilmainham Woods. So it looks as if promotion is between those four Myla in Division 4. Myla look... Very impressive win over Clannagale. I know they're at the weekend, Division 4 there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yes, certainly. Um, so the leagues leagues are tight, and they are reaching their conclusion. Um, so there, there's plenty, plenty of football coming up for lads in the next few weeks. But speaking of which, we just have a quick chat just about the mead game against Carlo. We, you spoke about Carlo earlier on, Jimmy, and how uh, they've had a good couple of years. So mead are playing Carlo in the Leinster Senior Football Championship quarter final in Port Leash on Saturday. At five o'clock, it's the first game of a double header, followed by Dublin against Loud at seven. So supporters, meet supporters, get there early, get your seats, and uh, make sure that you're you're there bright and bubbly before the Dubs and and the Loud supporters arrive down for yeah. the big game. But how, I, how do you fancy Mead's chances, Jimmy? Well, I I think they didn't play well uh, again. You know, in in the first game against Offaly, they didn't play well, Fergal, for much of that game. It's a bit of and, an understatement, but yes. Yeah, well, it's and and yet they won. So I mean I'm basing so based on that alone, I think they will play better because there was a huge expectations on them to to beat off awfully. That will be diminished in some way. I know they'll be still favourites, of course, but um, I, they won't be red hot favourites. No. And um, so I, I think that it, w- I, I think that will help them as well. And and over the last couple of weeks they will have they will have ironed out. I'm sure the. Problems that were exposed against Offaly, the the way some of the Offaly players open up the the mid defence, um, you know, and uh, we they'll have to be careful. Offaly registered a lot of wides in that game, and that's something that uh, Andy McIntyre, fourteen wides, I think they got. Andy McIntyre will be very uh, and his selector will be very aware of. So I, I would be optimistic, uh, Fergal, and you. Do you think are people giving Carlo more of a chance because of what they've done? Over the last couple of years, I know they 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 beat Kildare last year, which was a monumental result. Had a couple yeah. of good run, wins then. The year before that, they beat Wexford. Yeah, in the yeah. Fr- but look at how poor Wexford have gone. Like, yeah, well, dreadful okay, now. yeah. Um, but, uh, 
but the win the over Kildare last well year, the qualifiers as well. The, you know, win, team, o- you know. win over Kildare last year is probably the big one, and uh, they lost to Dublin as well um, in Port Leash after a brave enough display. Yeah. I think they only lost by seven or eight points, which losing to Dublin by they, seven or eight points is, bus, is, though, is a bit did. of a moral victory. Yeah, well, which is what they're going to do against course, Mead as well. well yeah, let's yeah. face it, with a coach like Stephen Poacher there's going to be plenty of men behind the ball and Mead are going to have to be patient. Well, I think Torlock O'Brien set the template in recent years uh, and how a county like that with very limited resources can we, you know, can play, can take on the teams that are deemed to be stronger than them. Mead are stronger. You know, if, if, if it's a one-to-one, Mead would be expected to win. You know, um, but, of course, uh, whether, whether Torlock, Stephen, or Stephen Poacher will be on the sideline remains to be seen for Carlo. As it stands, they stand suspended um, after an altercation with a linesman or the referee following the last game in the National League um, I think it was against Down uh, Brendan Murphy also is suspended so their main man their star player their giant midfielder if he stands suspended still I know their their appeal is with the was with the DRA and it's sent back to the Central Appeals Committee so for their, for their consideration so there's still no word on whether their appeal has been overturned or whether it stands as it is at the minute all three men will be suspended and won't be allowed on the sideline. Uh, Murphy obviously being the biggest blow of the whole lot because he, once they cross the white Brendan line, Murphy, he, yeah, he, he could influence player. something, you know. Yeah, class player, yeah. But uh, his, uh, his absence would be a big boost to Mead. Oh, certainly uh, his absence would be a big boost. and uh, but Because midfield was one of the areas where Mead experienced difficulties uh, against Offaly. Uh, who do you think, you know, I mean, who do you think will start there? Because they will have to sort of, you know, I think win more breaking ball, be more assertive in that area. Well, I, if, if, if Shane McEntee isn't injured, he went off at half time in that game against Offaly, which was a blow as well to Mead. Uh, losing his energy through the middle was a huge blow. So, he went off with a calf injury and if he is injured and misses out then there will obviously be a replacement and Adam Flanagan came in for Shane at half time in that game against Offaly and did okay kicked a couple of balls away um, which wouldn't be part of his game but kicked a couple of balls away but Andy has a few other options you know Sean Tobin did very well in a challenge match against Roscommon so they have options there uh, Porrick Harnan has been playing midfield for Manalvi he's another option to come in uh, or he could he could switch it around and and uh, Ethan Devine is supposed to be recovering from a concussion injury. He could be another one who could come into consideration. Dara Campion is another who could come in for consideration. So there are plenty of options, which is the great thing for Mead. And the players that played or performed below par against Offaly know how poorly they played and saw the impact that the substitutes made coming in. So I'm sure that they know that this is probably last chance saloon. Another poor performance from three or four players in this, and they mightn't get another look in in this championship. So players need to go out now on Saturday and perform, and the performance is going to be equally as important as the result because a win is expected. But if we win stumbling over the line again, confidence will be really down at their boots uh, ahead of a, a potential semi-final against Leash or Westmead. Well, I, I don't know. I think if we win, it'll be, you know, it, it'll st- win is a win is a win, as they say, but... Mm. Um, I don't agree with that, but anyway. Yeah, but uh, I think, you know, Fergal, we, you, you mentioned there a few players. We talked about the hurlers having that um, depth that, that is encouraging. The footballers have that as well, yeah. but they have to produce on the day, on the big day. Mickey Newman uh, referred to that the last time after the Offaly match, how, you know, the 
everybody he, the way he put it was every, well ev- before the offing match everybody was talking about it so yeah. he you can imagine what he stopped for petrol someplace yeah Mickey what do you think you know you go into a shop you go in you know this is the this is part of the expectation of any team any Gaelic football team in the championship and um, he, he spoke about that and how uh, he had to deal with it uh, and how difficult that can be because it can get into you know everybody yeah, talking yeah, about it and yeah. everybody say oh, you'll, you'll, you'll probably you'll, you'll win the, this game you know no problem yeah. but it, it certainly proved to be a problem so they have to deal we have they have to show us yet this team that they're capable of dealing with this weight of expectation and this is an ideal chance to do it because again as I said they're favourites not red hot favourites but favourites and there's a great chance for them to do it but they you know it's not it's not going to be easy it's not going to be easy against Carlo Give us a, a prediction Jimmy so I think the Mead could win by about three four points Oh so that is tight Ah well That I is mean, tight I To mean, me that, that doesn't suggest an impressive performance Well I think an impressive performance to me is winning you know is winning a game so uh, I think Mead need to be winning this game and and laying down a marker ahead of Leisha Westmead. You do not need Leisha Westmead in a Leinster semi final thinking. Do you know what Mead are there for the take? And I think Mead need to be stamping a, a seven to eight to nine point victory on this game. And uh, I need they need to win emphatically and and issue a statement to say that you know our league form is is the real Mead team. The performance against Offaly was just a blip, but here's the real Mead team and. Uh, you take us serious. If they've got realistic ambitions to play in Super 8 football this year, they need to be beating teams like Carlo comfortably. Not scraping over them. If we're not beating teams like Carlo, no disrespect to them, if we're not beating teams like Carlo comfortably, we've no right to be in Super 8s. Well, of course, there's an element where we can improve as we go on. Of course, And, and, yeah. and you know, iron out the difficulties and but the But it's problems. not going to get any easier as you go on. So trying to improve as you go on against more difficult opposition that that's going to be the difficult one okay Leash and Westmead are going to be a step up up again from the challenge of Offaly and Carlo if you get over that the dubs you don't get any higher challenge than that you know you're not going to be looking to improve but it, as you said it, it, Carlo only uh, Dublin only beat Carlo by what six seven or eight points well, something like nine that nine points I think whatever, and that was two know, years it, it, ago but it, it wasn't a a cricket score. No, yeah, I know, but I think Mead need to be putting down a marker here. This is a different Carlo team. That was a Carlo team that was going okay or boosted by the introduction of Turlock O'Brien had had uh were just buoyed up. We're, we're we're really you know up for that game. They had a day. good year in, in twenty seven. Yeah, they had a, decent, they had a yeah. decent year, whereas this year they've been relegated to division four. Um losing out their their head to head loss to Offley was the was the result that actually put them down. So, you know, Offaly have beaten them. We've beaten Offaly playing poorly. I think all things all things been told, Mead should be at least, in my mind, eight point winners. Okay, well, we'll see if Carlo parked the bus, though. That's that's that's, uh, that's, that's another. Problem. That's the problem. Uh, that that could uh, that, that uh, Mead, have, Mead have have struggled on against that type of tactic. Yeah, and uh, consistently over the years they've struggled, but. I think I just think we're in a different place now than where we were even two years ago when we were struggling to break down defensive walls. I just think we're in a far better place with far more options, far more creativity, playing better football. Um, 
Okay, we didn't show it against Offaly, but we showed it enough in the league to suggest that the Offaly game was a blip. Well, we showed it, it certainly in stages in the league. You know, you think at the second half against Kildare, very, very impressive to play. But then you look at the first half. Yeah. And, and it's that inconsistency, inconsistency that's uh, that's really something that, uh, you know, that yeah, but Andy the, and his management will be, players will be striving to get, to get rid of and iron out and, and you know, get rid of the, uh, from the system. But in the past, that level of inconsistency would have seeded, would have planted doubt into the minds of the players. It would have given them cause for concern and they would have thought, shit, we haven't played well here. What are we going to do? How are we going to improve this? But instead, now they know they have the ability to, to ride out the storms, to weather the worst of, of the football that's coming at them. And they know every team is going to have their purple patch. And Mead have done that. And, and they've come out of some very tight games on the right side, which is great to see. But anyway... We're gone. We're going way over mark here. I know you wanted to give a, a quick shout out to Navin Athletic Club. You were at a, a hugely yeah. successful event on Friday night. Yeah, yeah. You know, so they had they had their um, their annual, you know, uh, Simon Cumbers, uh, Paddy Highland, six k uh, race. Uh, brilliant success. I have to really pay tribute to Navin Athletic Club. Uh, their their uh, chairperson Mary Waters and, and and her team because they had it so well organised and uh, everything was so well put in place for this ga- for this um, event and you know there was a big huge turnout there was about a thousand runners there amazing you know, yeah and a uh, huge turnout and, uh, and but great it, to but see the juvenile races as well in memory of Alana Russell Keith Russell uh, and, and yeah, daughter there so it was great yeah great trip. I was talking to Keith as well and. Uh, you know he was he was delighted with how everything went and uh, you know the the race itself was run by Peter Samba uh, McLaughlin he, he was second uh, he just edged Peter Samba that well renowned Dunboyne AC athlete well absolutely he he's, he wins races uh, you know he in the Dunboyne singlet he sure yeah, does uh, Kenyan but uh, he's um, he's in the runs for Dunboyne and he's uh, comes over here in the summer pretty much f- doesn't he he, he comes does, yeah, Ireland yeah. this summer take part in yeah. in in road he's, races he's won all about over five the, already this summer this summer comes over and, and makes a few bob picking up. 100 euros here and 200 euros there for winning road races all over the country good so luck to him yeah good yeah. luck to him yeah and, and, uh, using I, his ability but uh, he beat Mick Clausey Mick Clausey uh, took part in the Rio Olympics yeah you know yeah. so he's a very good runner and uh, that that was an indication of the quality of the of the athlete that was in event as well but very, you know congratulations to Nav and Athletic Club yeah yeah well done um, so we have a, a quiet enough weekend coming up in terms of, of inter-county stuff. Mead hurlers and Mead footballers both out in action on... Or Mead minor hurlers and Mead senior footballers both out in action on Saturday evening. Other than that, it's all systems go and bulling on with the A-Leagues uh, midweek. So uh, they're, they're really on, on a push to get them over and done with. Um, Trim Celtic, of course, still flying high uh, with five wins from five games in the NEFL Premier Division. Parkville are just behind them. I think they've only dropped two points. Uh, Boyne Harps are, are top of the league with seven wins from seven mm. at the minute. But, uh, you know, sport is on the up in the county. I know there was uh, plenty of winners. Gordon, uh, Gordon Elliott had a couple of winners again at the week. During the week, Colin Keane is, is flying high. He's really back to top form. And as is Jerry Lyons producing some great winners as well um, over the last couple of days. And it's going to be a busy weekend of action again on the horse racing front. Um, so we'll, we'll have a look back at that over next week but look at uh, a rising tide lifts all boats and let's hope meet footballers can, can get to a Leinster semi-final 
on Saturday evening. So I'm Fergal Lynch and that's been Jimmy Gagan. Jimmy, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Fergal. And we've been trying to talk a good game. Like